welcome to the first episode of the Pod of Greed. This is Alec. Yeah, and Paul. So, uh, yeah, this is our sort of pilot first episode of our sort of podcast thing, the Pod of Greed. We even have a uh, a pod here. So. Yes. Uh, so we decided that we would talk Yu-Gi-Oh and card game things. This is just going to sort of be us. Just going. Card game news. Um, it might branch into even further topics. Yeah, that sort of thing. So, uh, I wanted to talk about, I think, probably the... Well, there's two big topics. One's a Magic one, one's a Yu-Gi-Oh one. So, I guess I'll start with the Yu-Gi-Oh one. Sure, yeah. I mean, we're a Yu-Gi-Oh channel. Why not? Okay, so, first topic is the... You heard about the Tyler the Great Warrior stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so... It's sold, right? That's over. Yes, world's rarest Yu-Gi-Oh card sells for over 300k at auction. So, um, yeah, it Boy, what could I do with 300k? It isn't every day one of the world's rarest trading cards goes on sale, but Yu-Gi-Oh broke the mold at the start of April. Tyler the Great Warrior card went on sale about a week ago, and its sale has ended with a whopping 300,000 plus USD price tag. So this was being bidded on on eBay. Uh, not going to lie, I wasn't like following it. You know, super closely. I saw that Simone made a video about it. Um, he went out and actually, I guess, interviewed Tyler. Yeah, yeah. I remember when that video came out. Got the card. Uh, any thoughts on this? I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. I feel like I don't really. I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, there's been talk of Tyler the Great Warrior for many years. And at one point, people weren't even sure if the card still existed or even if Tyler existed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I made a YouTube short about it, if that counts like, for something. But then now, like, the card isn't just real. It is up for or was up for sale. And I think there was an interest in what is the upper limit. Yeah, what would it the cost? value of a Yu-Gi-Oh card? Because I would assume this would be the most valuable Yu-Gi-Oh card of all time. Yeah, presumably. I mean, I know that there's others that I'd kind of been just doing research on. Because like, I was like, oh, I'll make a short on like the most valuable Yu-Gi-Oh cards. This is cool. So there was some drama midway through, I believe, where like either bots or like scammers or something like managed to artificially like hike the price up to like one point four million dollars somewhere in the middle Ooh. of it. But I think eBay uh, went in and, like, those got canceled, so. Well, my thing is this. Even if there was a bot that was pumping up the price, that still means somebody was willing to bid $1.4 million for this card. I do wonder. I mean, if it was a bot. Like, I don't know the specifics, so I'm, you know, sorry if I'm out of my depth here. But I uh, I feel like how, like, who would pay? Like, because if it's, like, 1.4, it had to be somebody who, I guess, maybe had 1.4 million, but, like, they're just using two accounts or, like, multiple bot accounts, so they're just going to, like... But still, they'd have to See, give him the money, wouldn't they? That's not... I, I mean, yeah, but I guess I the guess. way I, That's not how I was looking at it, at least from what that is saying. My understanding from that story was somebody went in and put in fraudulent um, bids, and then somebody who had an upper limit of 1.4 million as their like top end bid, yeah, they put it, it auto. It would auto bid the outbid those bots yeah. until it reached 1.4 million. So my assumption is this: that, someone was willing. Yes, there is someone out there who's like 1.4 million. That's exactly how much I'm willing to pay for this, and I'm assuming they're the person who won it from this auction for significantly less. Yeah. Also, here's a little bit of a, a cool tidbit. So. Of course, this is not the highest-selling TCG sale at auction. That honor goes to a baseball card. Back in 2022, an anonymous bidder showed out $12.6 million for a 1952 Mickey Mantle Tops card, if you can believe Boy, it. Mickey Mantle was a bad man. 
So um, twelve million though. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's interesting. I guess like just that these cards are now like the collector thing. I know like twenty twenty kind of set it off. Where now people are just always people are just willing to pay a lot for cards. I think it modernizes the TCG collecting hobby and industry. But here's a question. Okay. Um, do you think any card printed in the last five years will ever sell for a million dollars? No. Yeah, I don't. I know. Uh, I've always felt like the only way that a card can like really be worth like anything in the like really even like five digits is if it's like it's got to have like that really old nostalgic appeal. There's got to be some history. It's usually like decades old, at least like. 15 years old. Like, let's say it is okay, now. Maybe actually 10,000. Dr- uh, I don't know. Stuff like, like let's that. Let's say I, it's 2050. So what is that? Uh, a little bit more than 20 something like years. Like 25 years from now. It's 2050 now. Do you think any cards from Cyberstorm Access <laughs> no. will be worth, let's say, $100,000? No, you wish. Okay. You what wish. about uh, the set before this one? What was that? Uh, Photon, Photon hyper. Hyper no. I mean, the only thing that I feel might have a chance at it is if they like do another, like maybe like the platinum blue eyes, although those aren't like actually cards, but like stuff, stuff like that could maybe. So maybe. is it po- So I guess what I'm getting at is, um, I feel that the valuable cards that will ever, the most valuable cards that will ever exist, have already been printed. Yeah, and. That's it. I don't think there will be any yeah. more hundred thousand dollar, much less million dollar cards being printed. I mean, I guess there's this sort of hindsight is twenty twenty thing, like because when we were kids, we didn't know that these like blue eyes and stuff like that would be mm. worth a lot, and we just kind of destroyed them. I mean, like we joke about it, but maybe there is there are like cards today that seem mundane and seem like they're just highly printed that like one day will. I mean, I be feel like. In in this world of capitalism making money, mm-hmm. I feel like once something makes a, a huge sum of money, like the whole crypto boom and stuff, the the cat is out the bag, and then it'll never happen again. Right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I think like people once people know, because yeah, that's true. Like because nowadays, if something expensive comes out, like I remember with ten thousand dragons, for instance, people were like grading it already. But the but really the appeal of a graded card is kind of that it's it is an old preserved card. So like right. there aren't many PSA ten blue eyes or even nine point five. Like talking about you know LOB blue eyes or something like that or dark dual stories. But if you know right out the jump that like this is could potentially be worth a lot, then that in and of itself like if a lot of people know it, then it isn't worth a lot. And what's something that's really interesting is the idea of scarcity in TCGs. The these like classic blue eyes, these classic Charizards, these weren't cards printed to be scarce. Yeah, they but were the simply. The types of cards we're talking about right now, these starlight rares, these chase cards. It's artificial scarcity. Yeah, it's artificial. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I will say, speaking of the grading thing, um, the Tyler the Great Warrior actually got graded as well, I think by PSA, and they gave it a seven. Any thoughts on this? I know people were I mean, kind of. It depends on the type of scale that they use, because for some people they they would say, "Hey, this has to be a ten. It's the only one of its kind." But it sounds like they have a more general. They're still system. just looking at condition. Yeah, yeah, like how does this compare to the best quality any other card? Yeah, I mean, I think giving it a seven, like 
Uh, no, I mean, I feel like maybe he just should have just had it verified as legitimate, but not getting given a grade. Because I feel like the grade kind of like, in a way, sort of soils the. But I guess it does speak. I mean, it is the only one of its kind. Yeah, I mean, I guess the grade speaks to the fact that it, it has been owned. Yeah, it has history. Stuff. So yeah. I wish I could convince people on e- on TCG Player, hey, these cars have history. Yeah, <laughs> damage. No, no, no. That's just that's just story. That's lore. So yeah, that's cool. Um, congratulations to Tyler. I, I think some of the money is supposed to be going to charity, so that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, man, I bet they wish it would have sold for that one point four million. Yeah, if that was legitimate or whatever, that would have been even better. But, yeah, that's my story. You got anything? Uh, Yeah. So, so Disney Lorcana or Lorcana? Yeah. That. Lorcana, it has released its rule set. Okay. And you'll be not very surprised that the game is very similar to Magic and Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, shocker. I remember they said sometime, sometime last year, they were like, yeah, um, we want this to be a very accessible game, like a family accessible game. Mm-hmm. So I'm not super surprised to hear them go for more of like a simplistic approach that is similar to existing games. I don't think that they would be, it would be in their best interest to make it really super unique and complex. Because like... We kind of know what works Mm -hmm. in terms of games, like kind of the resource system thing, that sort of stuff. And now they just get to layer that Disney paint on top of it and that Disney marketing budget on top of it. And like, you can get your Elsa, you can get your Mickey Mouse, and like, that will presumably be what really sells the game. Not going to lie, though, I have not, I've been surprised that Lorcana hasn't been a bigger deal like for the last few months i think that maybe they announced it a little bit preemptively and didn't seem like they had all that much to share and show but they didn't but now we have the look we have we can see we've seen the products mm-hmm. we've seen many of the cards and we know the rules yeah like for instance it has a mana system not like Yu-Gi-Oh, where we can just play our cards yeah. their mana is ink yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. You're a, uh, I forget the name of it, but like you, you use ink to like kind of draw these stories and that's the, mm-hmm. the lore is that you're, I forget what they well, call it. you're actually trying to get lore. You got to be careful. That's, that's actually a oh, keyword in the game. You're trying lore. to get lore. Yes. Oh, there's actually a mechanic. Yes. Oh, okay. You send is out the your energy characters called, like, lore? to get, the energy is ink. The energy is ink. But how, so instead of like lore, a like the prize cards, typical... Or? In a weird yes, okay. So you know how in Magic they have their um like forty like life that they can have, yeah. And so as you For take damage, you subtract it. Mm-hmm. Well, in Lorcana, you're trying to gain lore. I believe it's like twenty lore. Oh. So every time you would you will, you don't attack your opponent your um opponent or attack their characters, you're sending them out to gather lore. That's interesting. I mean, like. Immersion wise, that's kind of a cool concept. Like I'm into that. I mean, I, I think that I know, like with Magic, you're like a planeswalker, and mm-hmm. um, with Yu-Gi-Oh, you're I don't really know what you are anymore. You're a duelist. <laughs> you're a duelist. Um, and Pokemon, you're a trainer. So, yeah, I mean, this is cool. I uh, I'm not gonna lie. Just this isn't really exactly a Larkana thing, but like, do you sometimes feel like there's like TCG fatigue? No, you don't. No, I can't wait for Larkana to come out. 
I mean, but have you been playing like say Battle Spirits Saga or like One Piece? All right, that's unfair. Battle Spirits only released what Friday of last week. Yeah, I mean, I just say that because it feels like there's a lot of card games that are all sort of just coming out, and like it can feel a bit like it's just hard to keep up with like everything. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why. While I have One Piece cards, I actually haven't played a whole lot of One Piece. While yeah. in, but I've played a lot, quite a bit of Digimon and a bit of Yu-Gi-Oh. It, but it's hard to play like maybe more than two card games at a time. You know? I think well with the Bandai games because they're the ones who seem to be making the most of these games. Like they did like Digimon in 2020 and then like One Piece in 2022 and then like Battle Spirits 2023. It just seems like it's a lot. Like I feel like if you're and I don't know how similar all these games are. Maybe they're different enough that it feels okay, but. I mean, I know Digimon and One Piece have like have a few similarities. They were made around the same era. I wouldn't even be surprised if some of the same like people actually worked on those games. Battle Spirits is older than both of them. Like it's actually from way back in like two thousand and seven, eight somewhere. Yeah, it's again. So being its remade. gameplay is very different. Regardless, though, who has that many sets of hands? Yeah, I feel like that's another thing too. Is with all these card games, it's like, man, how's someone supposed to play them all? Like, I just, uh, maybe you play, I mean, I guess, like, some people are able to juggle, like, three card game stuff. For me, the, I, I'm always Yu-Gi-Oh, and then, like, I just dabble in something else for a brief bit, usually get bored of it and just kind of settle back on Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, like, I played a little bit of Vanguard for a bit. Mm-hmm. I played a little bit of Pokemon on their app for a bit. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be trying to get a Commander deck and just give Magic a shot, so, like, I just feel like it just—it's a lot of money to spend and a lot of storage. I mean, as if you're spending money on cards and you're already doing it, that's not too crazy. Yeah, I guess. But if you're trying, I think the the harder part is your attention. You only have so much time and so much ability to focus. Yeah, there's just no way you can give the same amount of dedication you give to Yu-Gi-Oh to. Digimon to One Piece to Battle Spirits. To I mean, that like you, would you even be able to, to play in all the regionals or like local events? Because like they probably well, might be the held on the same day. And... Only very established card games even have proper regional scenes. Well, every card game now seems like they're trying to have them. But I mean, proper. Like, yeah. You show up and you can play. Yeah. You know how long I've been trying to get into a Digimon regional? Yeah, that's Too true. long. Yeah, they have the whole like what the pre. You have to pre-register months out. The vast majority of them are online, so you have to compete against practically the entire world to get in. Yeah. And it's just not a great system. The same can be said for many card games right now. Online uh, and web-based regionals, they they suck. Yeah, like the remote <laughs> they stuff. Just, they just yeah. suck. Well, anyways, I mean, compared to Yu-Gi-Oh, I mean, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh's got a system. Like Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, stuff like that. Like they and Pokemon, like they've got a system. Mm-hmm. I used to love the days of just showing up to Yu-Gi-Oh regionals or even a YCS. You can just walk in. You just sign up and you can play. But yeah, I mean, good luck to Lorcana. I'll be giving it a shot. Maybe reach out to us, uh, Disney or Ro- what, whatever the company that's actually making it. I have no idea. Something Burger, Roth, Roethlisberger. Like I'm not kidding. Like that's the name of the company that's oh, developing. I thought, I thought you were hungry. Okay, but um, okay, yeah, so. Cool. All right. Well, I've got what you got. I guess sort of an update to you know we. This is old news. I guess it was like last week, but the Magic the Gathering Pinkertons, Wizards of the Coast, they sent. Yes, for for those of you guys who don't know, um, although I feel like you probably do, 
Wizards of the Coast sent Pinkerton agents to the home of Dan Cannon, a, the YouTuber known as Old School MTG, in order to retrieve a selection of unreleased cards from the latest Magic the Gathering set. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, March of the Machine, The Aftermath, which I guess was supposed to be revealed at the beginning of May, but um, Cannon had acquired a selection of boosters and showed them on his YouTube, resulting in the reveal of around 75% of this limited release set. So these people show up at his house. It's a whole thing. They are kind of heavy-handed in how they handle the situation and eventually i guess which of the coast and uh, and old school mtg or dan got it sort of sorted out but this is a really bad look i mean i think that's an understatement um i can't stress enough how problematic and dangerous the pinkerton organization is yeah, I mean these are these are corporate America's armed like dogs that they just send after people who run afoul of them. Yeah, and it feels like it's really intense because it's like the guy like isn't even a full time YouTuber or whatever. Like he just opens magic cards just kind of for fun. Like it's a game he plays. It's a hobbyist, and for Wizards of the Coast to be like sending, like they have the right to, sure. But it's kind of one of those instances of like, sure you can, but it doesn't mean that you should. Oh, that actually is a great question. I wonder if they do they actually have the right to send armed guards to your home? I mean, when you put it that way, man, it makes it sound extreme. But like I know that companies do this, so it must be like we're not legal experts, yeah, by the way. We so, don't like, know we're anything. Probably we don't give legal advice like idiots, or anything, but, but all I know is just that like even if they it's something that they can do or they have like the legal right to do it, it's really a bad look. I mean, like just for PR, like it makes it seem like in, in a world where people already do not really like Hasbro. And people are not like big fans of wizards. I know that there's that uh, Magic Thirtieth thing, boy, and and that D and D controversy. The, yep, and then all the products they've been making. That, that company is besieged. So like, if people don't like by them. Its own decision making. It's kind of funny. I remember uh, just bringing it a bit to Yu Gi Oh. Like people used to really hate Konami. Like people were just like, oh yeah, Ko money. They're so evil. They hate the game. Okay, we we made game. a few Ko money jokes. Yeah, I mean, everyone yeah. can't absolve ourselves because I mean, like, I remember it was just a, that was a big thing though. It was like the the thing in the community is you just. By default, we all just kind of hated or at least distrusted Konami. You never yeah. given the benefit of the doubt. But in recent years, I don't know whether it's just a matter of Wizards doing comparatively worse things. Or maybe people are just kind of warmed up to Konami some. But, like, I feel like all the heat's been on Magic the Gathering. It's like, man, I don't know. They, this just doesn't seem like something that they should have done if... I don't know. I, just, I don't know. Could, what I mean, could a phone call or, like, an email not suffice? That should have been all it took. Now, they claim that they had tried to contact him, so maybe uh-huh. maybe it's his fault. I don't know. There's nothing a like law-abiding citizen should be able to do to warrant such actions. That's just my feelings in the matter. Um, no. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't participate in a game that did such things. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it feel a little like dangerous as a player, in, in a way. Because it's Even like, more so as a content creator. Yeah, because, I mean, like, think about it, right? Like, you uh, you might just, like, accidentally buy something from your card shop and just... Because that's basically kind of what happened. I mean, I don't know if this is, like, his local card shop, but it was, like, a vendor that he normally got stuff from, I think, and he just it, and they he accidentally got this new product. thing. So, it's like, man, what if you're a player and it kind of just happens? I know Yu-Gi-Oh's had some instances of people... But with you guys, it's a little different because I feel like I, I remember like there have been those times when like a box will be open and it's got like all Starlight Rares mm-hmm. and then like Konami will try to like recover those. That's true. So 
But it doesn't sound no, like no, they sent, really like, same you thing. know, basically soldiers. Yeah, they don't send their soldiers to your house. So, uh, Sounds like everything got resolved, though, so that's good. I know it's not the first time that they've sent Pinkerton people to people, apparently. They did it in, like, 2017, but... I, once again, that is horribly problematic. You know the Pinkertons were known as, like, uh, they were, like, the union-busting group? Oh. Yeah, they would they would go, they would send them in to like stop um, like picket break up picket lines and really mm. hurt the average citizen. That's the writer strike. You just be careful right now, huh? Ooh, yeah. That's a, that's a story for a different podcast. Anyways, okay, so that's mine. Uh, you got something else? Uh, sure. This isn't uh very car game related. Just kind of. So TCG Player was announced as the sponsor, the presenting sponsor for Free Comic Book Day. Free Comic Book Day. So okay. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a yearly event slash day where if you go to your local comic book store, you can actually receive free comic books that actually come from some of the largest comic book publishers in the world. Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, IDW. They all participate to varying degrees. Right. Yeah. Okay. And... What's interesting is Free Comic Book Day was is typically it's a, it's a brick and mortar thing. You go to a comic book shop to do it, but since TCG Player announced their um, that they're selling comic books now, we've seen the emails. And yeah. if you go to TCG Player, they even have a tab where they have the comic books. They're now a sponsor for that event, and it just feels kind of odd to me. Odd? It's because they're it's a card. They're a card selling platform well i think that what they're trying to do is just get in expand into kind of like all collectibles i'm assuming it would make sense i mean like tcg player i think at at the very start was like literally just magic i believe don't quote me on that but like i feel like it was uh just magic and then like because i know magic tends to get all their features first like when they had like the oh yeah the TCG copying thing and like tcg player direct and all that stuff it was always magic cards at first and now then they kind of expanded that to Yu-Gi-Oh and other games and I don't think it's a bad thing for them to kind of want to get into comic books. I don't think it's a bad thing. It just feels weird. It feels it feels like an expansion on their brand that I did I wasn't 100% sure they needed. I have a question because I don't really do comic books much, but I know you you and Alex do. What's the like, is there kind of a just universal way of getting physical comic books like in 2023? Like, how, yeah. how do you... Comic book stores. Well, but I mean, like, is there, like, any equivalent to what TCG Player is trying to be? Like, where it's, like, this is the site, like, the website you go to uh, to order them. Comic book stores. So, well, also Amazon, so to an extent. Um, but if you're on Amazon, usually you just get the digital ones and on, like, a Kindle app or something. But so um, I know that, like, Marvel and stuff have just the subscriptions if you just want it digital and... Yeah, they have the... Digital is pretty much on is on lock. You can get them from Amazon, get them from the uh, companies themselves. That's light work. As right. far as getting physical comic books, which I do order quite a few, uh, the Static series has been a favorite of mine. Um, usually, you just have to find a comic book store that has a kind of robust um, online shop where they'll they'll send outside of their states and they won't overcharge you too much. Yeah, I mean, comic books aren't really even very expensive. Like, new ones, right? I mean, they have gone up over the years. They used to be, ex- like, dirt, dirt cheap. But I think the costs of the industry is start- was starting to push them to increase the prices. They're still not that bad. Yeah. But if you want to read, like, say you want to read everything Marvel comes out with, um, you're going to pay a pretty penny. 
Man. I feel like in that case, you'd just be better served with their subscription. At that point, yeah, you might be. Because you're not trying to physically collect. With subscriptions, oftentimes, they're a few months behind the current print run. Really? That's So you're not up me. to date with these uh, subscription services. See, I feel like the... Okay. I feel like the subscription service would like be kind of the... They would want you on that, and they would make it like the pristine, optimal, ideal... You'd think that, but not. more so than anything else, they want you to buy the print comics... I mean, that's a tradition, so I get that. It's, mm-hmm. It can be a bit of a hassle. Um, but TCG players into it now, though their thing is more about selling, like you said, collectibles. Yeah. I've been on the platform a couple times, and the very first time I looked, it was soon after they announced they were doing it, there was, like, nothing on there. Yeah. And people were selling, like, extra. This was, like, a few months. This was, like, maybe last year? Yeah, it was sometime mm-hmm. last year. And when I tell you they had, like, nothing, people were selling random books for, like, random amounts of money that no one cared about. Okay. So nowadays, though, it's more... They have more... There's more high-profile books on there. If you want, like, let's say um, uh, DC's The Last Laugh or, um, or, or like, maybe, like, a Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man comic book, you can find them on there. You're going you're gonna to pay because now these are people who... Are selling collectibles. I wonder if they have the uh, the Kazuki Takahashi Spider Man comic. That would I wouldn't be surprised. I don't but, know if anybody knows they did a there's a talk. Well, you can explain. You probably yeah. Know Kazuki Takahashi was able to write and draw a Spider Man comic book. It's a it's a one shot. It's a um, it's essentially Spider Man getting involved with a card game playing villain. Who is very similar to uh, maybe a mix of like Kaiba and Doc Ock? I'd say Kaiba and Doc Ock. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I mean, that's cool. I, as somebody who doesn't really collect much in the way of comics myself, I can't say that it means much to me personally. But I guess them expanding doesn't hurt, right? It, It might be a reason to start. Yeah, that's also true. You know, you just, when you're making your TCG player card next, just tab over to the comic section and just, just add one. So here's something interesting. World's biggest Pokemon TCG shop bans adults from buying latest cards in order to combat resellers. Wait, world's biggest? Who is this? No. Okay. So here's the story. A Japanese Pokemon card seller self-proclaimed as the biggest dedicated Pokemon TCG store in the world. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Has banned adults from buying the latest releases for the trading card game. Hararuya 2 announced on April 30th that booster packs for the latest Pokemon trading card game sets Clayburst and Snow Hazard would only be sold to children attending junior high school or younger. Wow. So, so not um, even high school students can get in? Yeah, and a reversal of usual age checks. The shop in Tokyo's popular Akihabara neighborhood said it would check ID to confirm that customers were young enough to buy the packs displayed in a dedicated section. Parents and guardians will similarly be barred from buying them on behalf of kids. The boosters in the section will also be limited to 10 packs per person per day. Once they sell out for the day, the remaining packs would be offered to general customers. So what are you going to do when that one like 12-year-old walks in and wants to buy four cases? Are you going to sell them? Are you going to sell it to them? Well, they're still limited to 10. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so you have to be like in junior high or younger, but then also you can only buy like 10 packs. So, would you be, would it be weird if I said that I don't think this is that bad? I mean, that in what way? Well, because I know that people, you, when you get the headlines, like, okay, you know, they, they ban adults from buying the latest cards. 
that's salacious, right? Yeah. Like, they're not actually banned from buying them. It's just that they have to let the kids get to the cards first. And I think in that, and I don't think that that's a bad thing because, like, these card games are supposed to be for, like, kids and younger people. I know whoa, it whoa, seems. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be, I know. Right, okay. Slow down there. Because I'm 30. But, like, or I guess what I'm really saying is, like, primarily stuff like Pokemon, especially, it sucks when kids can't get them because the adults, you know, ransacked the Target or the Walmart. And, I mean, like, that's a skill issue. Get good, get faster legs. Yeah. I mean, you know, you remember in 2020 when this was a thing, like, you'd see the videos of just like the empty Target stores and, like, the men who are, like, running through the door and, like, grabbing them all and the little kids can get their Pokemon cards. So, so I was mostly joking. This is actually an opinion I've held for quite a long time is I really think, and especially in a card gaming space, mm-hmm. adults actually need to step back and let kids and in, invite kids to enjoy and play these card games the same way we did at one point. I think card games right now are ruled by adults. Yes. We we get we buy all the product as fast as we can. We dictate how they play because we're running the tournaments and we're oftentimes the judges and everything else. And also we don't let them just freely experience the game. Yeah. There's no schoolyard Yu-Gi-Oh. That's not just because kids aren't playing Yu-Gi-Oh, but because now if a kid wants to play Yu-Gi-Oh, there's some adult telling them what, like how to what do and it, how and what everything. is legal. We didn't have that. We were all winging it. And for some reason, we loved it. I feel, yeah. I mean, I think, like, because, like, I know, like I said, I think this headline makes it sound like they're, like, banning adults from buying it. It's really crazy. No, I mean, I just think that, like, if kids want to get their hands on the new Pokemon cards, they should be able to, like, get them. Mm-hmm. And then, once the kids have had the opportunity, then everyone else can. And that way you don't have the person who runs in and wants to buy, like, you know, cases of the new set and like turn around and sell them on eBay because we know that that does happen, at least especially with the Pokemon cards. Yeah. And like, I, we've had that sort of problem at like local card shops where people just, you know, run in and just buy, buy up all the new set. And maybe the shop owner doesn't really like see it as a problem. Cause it's like, eh, whatever. Someone's just buying yeah, the card. So I'm not going to, my complain. sales are good. That's all they care about. But yeah. Then like, if a kid shows up later, like, I mean, I'm sorry, but like how shitty is that? If like, okay, uh, this product releases like on, tuesday or something mm-hmm. and like it released on tuesday and the car shop opens at noon and like someone you know the crazy addicts who are like you know 40 years old or something and they like run in and buy like cases and I cases i appreciate and cases. you making them older than me so I, I, I had to do it on purpose I, it's uh you know they run in and they buy all their cases and pull their star like we're saying in a Yu-Gi-Oh example like they pull out their starlights and they sell everything you know, all that stuff and they're building their decks and then school gets out at 3 p.m do you yeah, know what I mean? They don't and have a chance. Like then the kids like, oh, okay, you know, school's over, and now my mom can take me to the car shop, and I can buy a few packs. Oh yeah, sorry, they're all gone. So I haven't. I, we've had also had that gone in our local uh, Digimon card game scene. Mm-hmm. Now, for the most part, all Digimon players are adults. We I don't think we've ever really seen a kid at one of our tournaments, but something that pretty much happens consistently is every time new product releases day one, we buy it all out. We, the adults compete against each other to buy out all the products. So if there was a kid who wanted to come in the next day or the next week or even the next month, cause we don't get product. Um, we don't get product restocked that fast or at all. They're, they're out of luck. Yeah. So, well. and, and as an anecdote, a buddy of mine, saw that Target had the cards early, and then he bought literally every card they had. 
So it's like you got to chill. And it's it, to be honest, it's good that a car shop's doing this. But sometimes I think that places like Target and Walmart. I remember in the, during the pandemic they were doing this, but like the issue with those stores is like oftentimes the people working there don't know or know care or care. Like they don't know what these cards are. They don't know when something's new, and they'll just let people buy up whatever. But really, I remember when they were like doing the whole like limited amount of card game products, at least at our like local Target. Because that made it kind of difficult to do, like, Larry in the hole for a while during the pandemic was just because, mm-hmm. like, you literally, like, could not, you know, buy more than, like, 10 or $15 but worth. I mean, you it was see, just... what, like, what spurred them to do that. That a riot is what it takes for that type of a change in policy. Yeah, so it's got to get crazy. But I will just say I think that this is something that maybe more card shops should implement to some degree. I know this might seem heavy-handed, so, I mean, someone can maybe just, like, you know, give me some reason why maybe that's not... But I just I think that letting kids get their hands on stuff in some limited quantity first is not so like, bad. It's a is it, there is an issue with that, and my Pokemon doesn't suffer from it as much as other card games. Um, the number one issue I see is that for for many card games, there's really not a lot of kids even Buying trying them. to buy the product. No, no, that's a separate. I mean, because I can talk. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, but like, if you want, I have, I mean, do I have, more, get I have more. I have more. Okay, okay. So, uh, the, yeah, one, there's not a lot of kids buying a product, and two, um, that directly affects a shop's ability to make sure it turns a profit. I, you know what? You're right. Yep, yep, yeah. Okay, I hear you. Because I mean, and then we already know card shops; they operate on this razor's edge of being in the black. Oh, wait, so, okay, just to be clear, so you're saying that to implement a system like this does have the potential to, like, negatively affect... Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, maybe it doesn't, though. It, it, it doesn't have to. Yeah. But it can. Yeah. And so for... I can see why a lot of sh- card shop owners would just take the, take the sales now and not worry about it. I Yeah, I get you. And... It would be nice if they did because you can then start developing a younger crowd, maybe. Yeah. But then they'd have to market. Yeah, and card shops don't always do that. I mean, I guess putting the onus on card shop owners to kind of, like, take that potential hit in sales sucks. But again, like, in this story, it's the kids, like, whatever's left is then available to the general public. So it's not, so, like, the cards presumably would sell either way. Right. It's just that it's a matter of letting the kids at least get a few first. And then, you know, Mr. Big Bad Collector with all the money in the world to buy cases can still buy whatever cases are there. It's just, you know. I just know, like, I've seen the type of pressure that players put on shop owners when they know that there's product. And there's, like, maybe there's, like, legal reasons or contractual reasons why it can't go on sale. Players will do everything short of bribery. Oh, wait, no, I've seen them do that. Players will bribe shop owners to get this product. Yeah, like sell it to me early. Yeah, and I think that's also just a, a product of like kind of the modern day like internet culture too, where like it's just so important to be on the cutting edge of like, you know what I mean? Like either there's a regional coming up on like that Saturday or it's just you just simply need to get these cards now. It's like, I think it's like, it's like kind of like greed to it. The cards are going to go on sale next week, but if I can get them this week, yeah, if I can even though get it, even just I can't a use them in official sooner. tournament or anything, it's just, I need them you know, now. The idea that I just have them, yeah. And hey, you can flip them for more the earlier you get them. That's true, and like the card shop owner wouldn't know. And anyway, so yeah, uh, that's that's the story. I think that this is like generally a good thing. 
I, I would say I think the kids should be able to get their cards. I want to see more kids in the card game space and let us adults gradually retire. We and we can just play amongst ourselves and really not be so involved in everything. Yeah. And be judges. We can be judges. That's what we should do. They can like help out, but anyways, so yeah, that's my story. Got anything? No. No? Okay, well I too. I've got something that uh this is more like mundane Yu-Gi-Oh news, I guess. Mundane's a rude word. The so you see the new illusion uh, type that's gonna be getting introduced in Duelist Nexus? Uh yeah. Pegasus cards. Pegasus's Yeah, so Duelist Nexus, um, you know, it just got formally announced for the TCG. When you're watching this, I guess it'll have been a couple of days, but um yeah, so it debuts the new type Illusion. Illusion monsters cannot be struck down in battle. Wait, and are they Illusion or Illusionist? So in the OCG or like in Japan, it was Illusionist. For us, it is Illusion. Okay, okay. I'm, you're an Illusion type monster. Gotcha. Um, so this is the first new type since Cyrus monsters were introduced in 2017's Star Deck Link Strike. Illusion monsters can't be struck down in battle and they can't defeat other monsters in battle either, but they harm them in other ways instead. That sounds oddly like... It sounds very. I can't beat me in battle, but I'll harm you in other ways. It reminds me of that one meme, um, that meme with the dogs. Like, does it bite? No, it hurts you in other ways. Then it says something like existential. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, there's Nightmare Magician, which is kind of an alternative to like Dark Magician. Gotta have a magician. It's an illusion monster that gives you control of any monster in battles, and it can destroy any other card in the field for other monster attacks. And there's a few others. They seem to be all kind of based around that Chimera, the Flying Mythical Beast sort of fusion line. Weird choice. Yeah, kind of strange. Didn't really get what that was about. But, um, you know, new type thoughts. So. You knew it. It's weird to get a new type in Yu-Gi-Oh! And there's no anime that accompanies it. Right. Uh, when we got Cybers... Now, Reigns didn't release in the West immediately, but it did release in Japan on time. And so, while we were very confused on what a Cyburst even is... At least there was an anime. Yeah, something could help us To contextualize it. it. So, okay, I will say this. I've... I don't know like the specifics of this, but I know that the illusionist or the illusion monsters, like you said, they're based on like stuff that like Pegasus kind of used illusion monsters. So, Mm -hmm. in the early Yu-Gi-Oh! manga, I'm, I'm botching this explanation, but just the general gist in the early Yu-Gi-Oh! manga, like there was kind of a power circle of like illusion monsters beat like dark magic monsters, which beat like light magic monsters, which like beat fiends, which beat illusionists. Like there's kind of this like square of interactions. Now that wasn't really anything that had to do with like the card game that we like really know. Right. But it was just kind of a part of the lore. It's one of those systems that Kazuki Takahashi liked to build into his like plots and in the, way, the way he likes to work. I, I mean, basically, it. there's a basis for illusion monsters. I just do think that it's kind of like a little random. Like It feels, yeah, it feels pretty random. If they made a new Yu-Gi-Oh! anime, I know it's too late to do it now, but they should think about it, where our main character uses illusion monsters and they, make, and they just made it make sense for me. Make it and make I'd be sense. fine. But right now, I don't understand why Gazelle, King of the uh, Mystical Beasts, is an illusion monster. I don't... I think I, there's two things that could be really cool. Either you make a new anime, which would be the obvious thing, or even, like, reboot. Or, like, reboot, reboot and then, like, and actually have this be kind of recognized reboot. as a formal... Yeah? Have this be, like, recognized as a formal type. Like That could be interesting. I want to see them reboot Yu-Gi-Oh! with the people who make Kakeguri. I want Bandit Keith to play Russian Roulette with Yugi. And, like, he pulls the trigger and it goes bang and, like, y- Yugi spits out the bullet. 
That'd be crazy. It's crazy that would actually happen. You know, nobody talks about it. Like, Kakagurui is, like, is Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, just people who are taking these games, like, way too seriously. A protagonist who is, like... We should probably put an image of the show. So that they yeah. Talking about gambling it. anime. Watch it, definitely. Um, Like, she's, you know, protagonist is, like, re- loves gambling, loves, like, card games, board games, whatever. She's insane. She will, like, literally watch you cheat. Call you out on your cheating and beat you anyway. Yeah, like that's that's what Yugi did in the first and that's basically like, many Yugi's. chapters of the manga. He would just play you in, in any game and wait for you to break or cheat. But um, yeah, so I mean, as far as the type goes, I know people have kind of wanted a new like summoning mechanic in Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, oh, a new extra deck thing. We have. That's what people. I mean, I read people say that on the internet. Oh, they to be clear, I don't. I think that we have yeah, more than enough. enough going on in that extra deck. It's it's too jam-packed as it is. So a new type is kind of cool. Something that's a little funky to me, though, is that it seems like the whole illusion monsters, you know, can't die in battle and can't kill other monsters, is really not, like, that doesn't seem actually, like, a, a it's not a built-in mechanic of them. It's yeah, just it's a their effect. effect on them, right? So that can still be, like, negated by skill drain and stuff. So it does feel a little bit like there are other monsters that have had the same, like, Time Lords or whatever, like, different stuff. So, it, it does it's not feel, that unique. It feels interesting, the idea that monsters can't be destroyed by battle. What do you think a mirror match of two illusionist decks or illusion decks would look like? Where you both can summon monsters and attack each other's monsters. You can't destroy them. I guess you still do battle damage? Yeah, you do still do battle damage so for, for the stuff we've seen. So every far. turn, everyone they just, you just have your monsters and. But I guess with like stuff like Nightmare Magician, you can like attack it and then take theirs and then like attack with theirs and like pop their cards. So like, there's still other ways but to do stuff. What if I have four illusion monsters in defense position? Hmm. Raigeki. Um. You know, it does actually <laughs> add an interesting dynamic though. Now that you mention it, because like, you know how like. Part of the appeal of most boss monsters is just their stats. Like, yeah. just they're, they're really big, so, like, they can negate what you do, and then they can, like, swing over everything. Having illusion monsters just in defense position could actually That's be, like, very a, a strong defensive position to be in. Especially if we get more illusion monsters, which we have some in that set that we saw that are low level that you can just set on the board. Yeah, so it's kind of neat. I mean, I still think Yu-Gi-Oh! as a whole has, like, moved past that really being a relevant thing for most matchups, but it could come up. Every so, so often, a monster that can't be destroyed by a battle can make the difference between losing or winning. So, I'm interested in seeing where illusion monsters go. Um, like, what it means for the game. Gonna it's going to take deck? time. You're going to build a deck? I, mean, I don't know if there's a deck to really build yet. I guess the, the Chimera. The, I'll try it. I'll give it a shot. Um, All right. Hold them to it, guys. Yeah. And, of course, like just to quickly go over the other Duelist Nexus stuff. There's like the Assault Synchron. That's like a Yusei thing. Um, the Crimson Dragon gets like a formal card release. Ooh. Crimson Dragon, like from Five Ds. Ultimate Zulkin. Yeah, it's not Ultimate Zulkin. It's like it is Crimson Dragon. Like that's what it's called. Okay. I don't. I don't remember its effect. I didn't get far enough in Five Ds to really understand that. Infernoble Knight, Emperor Charles, uh, oh, yeah, gets Infernobles. that Link One monster. That'll be cool. Rex Raptor is getting some stuff like the red crapper kind of cards as along with um evil sores and like a new greenosaurus i really hope that future dinosaur support just doesn't like work with the ultimate conductor tyranno stuff i will say it kind of gets boring when like this w- stuff just ends up being like just tyranno and like baby saurus and just, baby just one dino deck for the entire type yeah 
if you don't work with their whole thing of destroying their own cards and doing, then you don't work at all. Yeah. So um, that's Duelist Nexus. I'm pretty excited for it. I like the card, like or the the pack image. It looks really cool. I, I haven't seen even it. seen it. Yeah. So this is a quick one. Um, the new Pokemon trading card game app is finally launching this June. Not, I mean, I don't play a lot of it, but I did play the old Pokemon TCG. Like, I don't know what it was called. Just that, whatever the official Pokemon way of TCG Online app. or something. I don't, I don't know. know. But yeah, so I used to play that a little bit, like back in 2020 or so. It was a good app, I remember. It was cool. It worked pretty well. So now there's like a new way to do it. I guess this is meant to be the replacement. Um, it's going to be launching on June 8th alongside some upcoming Scarlet and Violet sets, Paldea Evolved. And uh, yeah, players will be able to buy and play with digital cards from the set through the Pokemon TGG Live app. Will they still have the whole, like, the code you got in the booster pack? Too? I don't know if they're still doing that. Because that was a really popular thing, but it might have been unnecessary. I don't know. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. I mean, like, again, I don't know if I'll really be trying this out, but I guess it kind of brings some parity with, like, Magic Arena, and you could argue like, maybe Yu-Gi-Oh! Master. You know Duel. why I like it? Hmm. Because I like it because of there's this, like, lack of actual physical Pokemon TCG players, just in general. Yeah. Lots of collectors, not a lot of players. But this is an app. To play the game. Jeez, oh, I had a... Well, <laughs> anyway, it's a cool app. Hopefully more people can play some Pokemon TCG. I know everybody just likes to collect it, but it would be cool to see more people... More people actually be able to play it. I'll so, play it, that's for sure. I'll always give it a shot. I think po- it's funny. Uh, Pokemon cards, for me, like the best that they've really gotten is it's fun to have your few favorite Pokemon or trainers and like use them as like tokens in Yu-Gi-Oh! or something or like wow. field centers. Every, just so Yu-Gi-Oh! centric. Yeah. The world revolves around you. No, no, I don't know that people play a lot of the Pokemon TCG. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. I, I mean, we have a scene in our card shop. Yeah. It's funny. I think that the local card shop scene does a better job, I'd say, than Konami with, like, engaging the kids. Like, they have the whole, uh, I don't know what it's called, like, the... I, the Pokemon League? Like you collect, like, know. yeah, it's like a league. You collect badges for, like, trading with people they and put little playing. stickers on a board, I saw. So, I don't know, that feels at least a little more engaging. Konami could take notes from that, nothing else. Yeah, we need to put stickers on the board for every time you don't rage quit. Yeah, uh, people won't do well. Well, anyways, that's pretty much all that I've got. Um, let's see, we forget any, any, any other, like, I mean, card game stuff? Or game I don't stuff? have anything off the top, but uh, next time I'll be sure to bring more stories. This was a, a sh- kind of... Uh, Last minute thing for me. Yeah. Well, here's something I want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been playing Honkai Star Rail. Yes. Now that's not a TCG. Not a that TCG. Is a mobile game. Uh, how's that been? Oh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy playing Honkai. I recently got into Genshin only a month ago, mm-hmm. after having dogged that game out many, many times. But next, but then I started playing it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is kind of fun." Oh, yeah, I'm having a great time. Then I found out that this Honkai game was releasing. And I remember I, I played a, a previous Honkai game many years ago. It was a mobile game, too. And so I was like, I'll give it a shot. I didn't think I was going to drop Genshin for Honkai Star Rail. But then I, re- I quickly noticed I've been playing so much Star Rail that I have it on my PC, my phone, and on my tablet. So yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty locked in right now. You're in. Um, these games have such a uh, they have such a higher value, like cl- like 
higher quality, more work has been done in these mobile games than pretty much any others that I've played. Mm-hmm. They have replay They have strong replayability. The graphical assets, the sound assets. It sounds good. It looks good. And um, it's on every platform that I could care to play it. Now I know Honkai is supposed to be on consoles too, like PlayStation, but I think those got delayed. Sorry for you guys, but not a problem for me. Yeah, and um, I've been playing a lot of Master Duel, of course. Um, the new band list released a couple days ago. Paul's going to Diamond One. Uh, doubt it. I I bashed my head against Diamond last season in Tier Elements. I was playing uh. Or TR Limits is the proper way to say it. Um, I was playing Exosisters. It was fun. But I just got like a little sick of the matchup. It's too, just not pleasant. The ban list kind of hit Exo, or hit Tear Limits a little bit. But like not really enough. So I'm I might waiting. be holding off for another season. I'm waiting for Mastodol to be in a place where I can play my Neos and Stardust decks. Yeah. What really sucks is that Master Duel's like casual mode is usually just empty. Like it takes forever to queue. And like usually people on there are just trolling because they'll be playing either Terra Elements themselves or like, what is the really annoying Numeron Wall or whatever? Like they'll just be playing stuff like that. It's like, this is for no rewards. Yeah. It's like for no reward either. It's silly. But yeah. uh, Well, that's, I guess, it. Yeah. I think that's it for our, our. I guess prototype episode. Yeah, this episode would be, zero. Yeah, you know, like episode zero, or whatever. The pot of greed. It's a season zero. Yeah, let us know, of course, um, what we can improve and all that stuff. Sorry in advance if like audio or camera or something's like super duper bad. At one point, I might have stepped on our podcaster thing, so maybe something went wrong there. We'll find out. And uh, yeah, we're experimenting. We're not podcasters. We'll have to get better at this. Yeah, over time. you know, if you have yeah, if you have any ideas like how we can use our pots, of which we have many. Yeah, um, we've got a little collection you know, of them. Shoot it! Shoot us! Then let us know. Yeah, I mean, don't actually shoot us, but well, shoot us a comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot us a comment. No, don't make well, maybe. We'll, t- we'll talk about it. All right. Until uh, next time, next week, maybe. Don't know what the schedule fits will be. All here. right. This has been the Pot of Greed. Sweet. Fast turn. Fast turn. Cool. We did it. Do I hit this? Yeah. <laughs>